I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies uh, accepted. accepted. The podcast. The podcast. And I'm not Theo. I am not Juliet. And we are sort of not in sync. <laughs> We're not in sync. I <laughs> yeah. think it's my um, my network connection. I may have to turn off video in a minute. Um, so yeah. So but so hi everybody. Hi <laughs> everybody to the podcast. Sorry you won't be able to watch the video of us. Which we never release or do. We're extra nice today. Yeah, except I'm a little bit red in the face more than usual because I did a um, appeal last night. And I guess this is what you get when you spend less than $5 on a chemical peel. Ooh. So it was, uh, it was very painful last night. I had to take it. I had to wash it off immediately. And I've been super red ever since. So How long exciting, were you but... supposed to leave it on? Ten minutes, so it uh, it's the ordinary. It's their um, I don't know what it is. Salicylic acid. I don't remember some some sort of peel. It's supposed to be exfoliating, and I think it probably did exfoliate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that's that's my news for the week. I guess I haven't news for the week. Very much. So what's shaking bacon what's... is that I've been spending too much money on skincare on the one hand, and too little money on skin hair on care on the other hand. <laughs> Well, you look beautiful regardless of what that <laughs> chemical peel did to your face. Well, duh. But. So, all right. So, uh, what's shaking bacon with you? Hey, um, I will tell you because I had quite the week. Uh, let's see. So, last Ooh. weekend, we went wine tasting out in uh, the Texas Hill Country, which was uh, very pretty <laughs> and also gross because oh. Texas oh. It shouldn't be doing wines. And sorry, yes, I'm a Californian yeah. saying that, and I know, and I get it, and all right, fine. But they were all horrible. Um, however, the people that were there were all delightful. And um, there was one guy, which would be kind of relevant. This story will be kind of relevant to what we're talking about today, maybe. Um, and uh, and he's a, he's a comedian, not professional, but he's done stand-up. And uh, he was telling me that uh, white guys are under... Uh, what, what expression do I want to use? Not under the gun, under scrutiny. But it's just oh. like white guys are now the butt of all jokes, right? Oh, uh, that if, if he wants a great laugh, then then the white guy has to be the punchline, right? And I was uh-huh. like, yeah, um, maybe. I don't I don't know about that, but I would say uh, it's pretty uncomfortable to be scrutinized all the time, don't you think? And isn't that just about what white guys probably deserve? Because they've been doing yeah. all the scrutinizing all these hundreds of years. Yeah. Sorry, it's happening in uh-huh. you know your lifetime. Um, yeah, right. And uh, and it was like, oh yeah, I guess that's a point. Sure, okay, cool. It, but so anyway, I had that thing about like just you know the plight of the poor white guy in my head, uh-huh. and that uh, uh-huh. my sister and I went out to get uh, coffee one morning, like two days later. It doesn't uh-huh. matter how many days later, whatever. Theo, Jesus. So we went out to get coffee, <laughs> and we walked into a Starbucks, not a sponsor of the show. 
And right, yeah. Because we don't have sponsors. And uh, yes. And uh, we were in the medical district in Austin. And so it's a lot of doctors and nurses in the area, of course, a lot of hospitals and just a lot of like stuff, a lot of medical facilities around. Uh-huh. And I counted four different guys, all white, um, who uh-huh. walked in, no masks, walked in uh. like they own the joint. Leaned against it. four different guys because it took them a while to get her uh, coffee, right? Because people are placing yeah. online orders and we yeah. were dumb and walked in because we're whatever. Yeah. Four different guys at four different times walked in and leaned their elbow up against the bar and just started chatting with the yeah. baristas as if the baristas were not filling 600 online uh, orders, right? And dodging angry stares from me because I was like, I just have latte. <laughs> <laughs> put the coffee in the milk. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so there is definitely something up. I guess that's different for sure from California because I tried to go in and get a grab a latte. I forgot my mask, and I was standing outside the window looking, waiting for my drink to come up so I wouldn't have to wait inside because I could see where the counter from from the window. And I I ran in real quick to grab my drink when it was ready, and I was like, "That's it right there. Can I have it?" And she's like, "You need a mask." I'm like, "Can I just have my drink?" And she's like. Okay, but you need a mask. And I was like, sorry. And I really felt bad because I needed a mask. Yeah. But, um, that's a very different experience than in Texas. Uh, that's a very different experience than in, te- than in Austin, Texas, which tends to be yeah. a little more liberal yeah. than, you know, Texas, Texas. Um, but, right. you know, all right, cool. Uh, let's see. I mean, I almost didn't get my coffee. God forbid. Well, I love that she was telling you to wear a mask, and you should have just been like, "I know." Listen, I have a podcast, and you can listen to fifty-six episodes where all we do is complain about people without masks. And so, I know I'm just not wearing yeah, one right I know now. Exactly what you're talking about, lady. Yeah. Can I have my coffee now? Oh, the uh, worst. I'm the worst. Oh uh, no, you're fine. And you know what? This by well, maybe not by February. I think Omicron's gonna Omicron is gonna take over the news cycle for the next couple of weeks, moving into Christmas. And then maybe by about March, it's just going to be like, screw it. Here we are. COVID's just a new flu. Well, we can all hope. I can't. I can't. I can't. No more. It's been two Mm -hmm. years. I mean, I'm still wearing my Mm -hmm. mask and I'm happy to get shots. I'm happy to get shots. Yeah. I'm a five year old. (laughs) I'm happy to get vaccinated and I'm happy to get boosters and I'll wash my hand. Whatever. Right. I'm happy. I'll do it. But. But I am done hiding in the house. I am done not socializing with people. I am done, you know? Um, oh, gosh. I have the feeling, but I'm, I'm not done yet, although I'm pretty much done with my fucking living room. I'll tell you what. I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but at least you guys have moved, so you've had a change of scenery. So we have a different, a different I've, house. I've been staring at the same brown couch for three years. Well, I mean, longer than that. But, but I know what you mean, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Pandemic, pre-pandemic, pandemic, sort of post-pandemic. Where are we? Um, uh, let's see. I would say that's kind of all shaken bacon. It, oh, no. Okay. So I've got, I have two more bacon bits awesome. to add. I, bacon bits. I'm going <laughs> to run this joke into the ground so the deep. <laughs> um, okay. So. Uh, my sister was here for like Thanksgiving and she stayed on the extra week Yay. or whatever. And that was sweet and fun. And uh, I made her watch Children of Men, which she'd never seen before. Right. And I was uh-huh. like, how could your whole life never have seen this movie? It's it's so great. I've seen it. Oh, my God. 
Go okay. watch it today. Children of Men. All right. It, it is. Children of Men. It is amazing. And so I never noticed this. I've seen it probably three times. Um, the lead character's name is Theo, right? Oh, wow. And guess what the other lead character's name is? James? Juliet. No. Well, she goes by Jules in the movie. So I'm I'm extending out her name to the proper form, right? But uh, wow. yeah, I was like, holy God, that's amazing. I have to for sure tell that <laughs> to the original Juliet. Um, wow. And then, okay, so my sister was here and we were out at dinner and we were talking and she, oh, yeah. And so I was telling her the news about our podcast hitting the charts. Mm-hmm. Hard to fucking mm-hmm. believe we have charted, right? Right. Um, right. And so I was sharing some of that news with her. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Well, I'm going to be driving home and I've got 12-hour drive, so I may just oh listen to it. And I told her, and uh, this was my gut response. I was like, <laughs> listen, you can't listen to our show. It's a private conversation that we record and put on air. <laughs> <laughs> It is, though. It is none of your business. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Do not download this show. It's not for you. No. Oh, no, that's it's funny. Private. That's, that's how I feel about being on the charts is that, oh, my God, who's going to listen? I can't believe people are actually listening to this. I uh, yeah, Well, hey, that's great. So, um, But also terrifying. Well, it's, a, I mean, you know, we're on the charts, but we're in the hot 1,000. And uh, I, I mean, yeah. I'm I loving it. Still better than nothing it's well yeah is it we're on a on a rocket to the moon theo (laughs) we're on a staircase (laughs) to the moon and we have to walk (laughs) it's been been a slow climb but that is all right yeah so uh, like we're going to pluto or something it's going to take a hundred years and yeah i'm going to say it's not that i don't like our show we're we are my favorite show (laughs) right one of my favorite shows i have a lot of favorite shows (laughs) what uh, it's true, but you know I love them all equally. I'm like I'm like a, okay. a parent with a child, right? with a lot of children. Okay, sure. Right, I'm a parent with one child. This is your only actual child, though, so uh, I think it should be number one. Uh, maybe a dog. Dog would count as. Oh, you mean a <laughs> podcast children? Yeah, podcast um, child. Okay, well I love my nieces and nephew podcasts more. All right, I I can't work with all that. Right. I got nothing. Fine. Um, but anyway, whatever. yeah, uh, so whatever the point to that is, I was going to say, and this isn't anything about podcasts that are below 1,027, but um, I'd like to hear them. Because, you know, is it a quality <laughs> issue or is it just simply an, like us? Is it an exposure issue? I'm sure it's an exposure issue for us. I mean, it's not, it only it's not be. a quality issue. Not a quality <laughs> issue at all. Definitely I'm, not. I am covered by the finest blankets in this closet while I <laughs> create this podcast with you. Uh, speaking of the finest, I have been overspending on, on uh, skincare. Like I was telling you earlier, um, I, the, I, the one time I made a mistake and paid for some, paid very little for something, it came back to bite me in the butt. But now my uh, bathroom is like full of Chanel and Dior and all kinds of crazy stuff that I'm spending outrageous amounts of money on. I mean, can you believe I spent like $60 on a lipstick? You, um, it's well, crazy. I don't know how much lipstick costs in general. Right? Well, that's actually a, a, a thing on TikTok now is that people are asking men how much they think lipstick costs. And men are giving, of course, outrageous examples because they've never had to buy lipstick. So, But it can range from like a couple bucks to 60 bucks. <laughs> so 
60 bucks is the most expensive lipstick I've ever seen. Right, from from 99 cents to the price I paid for it. To the price I paid for it. And it's usually, usually, I guess, 20 bucks would be kind of a pricey lipstick. So 60 bucks is fucking outrageous. Is it good? uh, Frankly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that it's 60 bucks good, but I'm not sure what would be 60 bucks good in a lipstick. I mean... You know, it would have to do the dick sucking for me. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the club. I've been waiting a long time. And I am proud. I can't believe I said that. (laughs) You said it so I didn't have to. Because that would have been really horrible of me to make that joke about you, right? And the clickers would have been going off. And he would have been like, listen. Uh... Wait a minute, Theo. That's inappropriate. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. So on that note, let's talk about yeah, some yeah. other inappropriate well, things. <laughs> right. Um, and so... Uh, I'm not sure we're ready for this. Well, right. Our last couple of episodes, we maybe should have just started off with, um, hey, everybody, this is a little bit different from our usual episodes. Recently, of late, they've been very lighthearted and fun because uh, we were doing a lot of heavy downer ones and it just started to get a little grueling on me. And it was like, I need a break. I need I need to step away from all of the horribleness that sometimes, sometimes, you know, yeah, the apologies are always, you know, tough when you just look at, oh, let's find an apology, right? Because it's usually about right. racism or some horrible political thing, right? Or, yeah. you know, when, when somebody's apology makes news, it's typically bad. So when we want to do lighthearted stuff, we have to think of a subject that's kind of whatever, right? I'm, I'm over explaining like here. Like Christmas sweaters or yeah, something. Yeah, or like the nativity, right? So we could talk about history or whatever, yeah. right? And then try and find an apology within that. Uh, and this one just fell onto the radar and it's definitely a... I mean, of course, it's a conversation worth having, um, but uh, I'm I'm not excited to explore this topic with you. That you can already tell how <laughs> awkward I feel. It's like, uh, uh. yeah. So, trigger warning for people: sexual assault will be mentioned. Um, if you're not into that, oh god. If you're if you're not, um, if you are into that, that, turn this off and turn yourself in. <laughs> Yeah, please. I'm sorry. What was I thinking? Um, if if you're not ready to hear about that right now, um, skip this episode. Um, yeah, listen. If you're not ready to hear us making bad jokes about things that we shouldn't be joking about, turn off this episode. Um, not that we intend to make bad jokes about this. It but will just it's happen. Just beyond our control. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of true. It is beyond our control. That that I think so. The anxiety and that tension of oh, this is this is uncomfortable. It's just like. Boom, the jokes yeah. pop out. Got to make a joke to lighten up the tension. So let's talk about um, today, uh, Anthony Broadwater, who is a black man who is now 61 years old. Uh, he was convicted of the rape of Alice Siebold, who is a white woman. And she was born in, I think she was born in 1960. So she's, I don't know, does that make her 61 too? She I guess was so. born in 1963. Oh, so she's not yet 60. Um, She's just slightly older than us. Um, She's perhaps best known as the author of The Lovely Bones. And um, this uh, rape conviction happened in 1982. Anthony Broadwater always said that he was innocent and passed two lie detector tests, but he spent more than 16 years in prison. He was denied parole at least five times because he refused to admit to a crime that he did not commit. 
Which I've got to say just right there is amazing because if I was in his shoes, I think I would have, I would have lied and said, yeah, in order to get out of jail. I mean, 16 years, it it wasn't, it wasn't like four weeks, right? This was over the period of years and it's not like jail was easy for him. Oh no, I'm sure it's not easy for anyone. Well, except maybe rich people, but, um, yeah, he spent 16 years in prison in unpleasant places. And so to consistently maintain your innocence, when you are innocent, I mean, he is, yeah. was innocent. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's beyond. Because I, as I said, I would have confessed in order to get out of jail. It would be extremely tempting to anyone to confess, to get out of jail. Um, especially because um, after he was released... Um, he had a sex offender status and had a really hard time finding a job because he had been in jail for, um, for raping someone. But he did not give up attempts to clear his name. Um, nothing went his way until November 22nd of this year when New York State Supreme Court Justice Gordon Cuffey vacated the rape conviction and other counts related to it. Onondaga County District Attorney William Fitzpatrick said at the security hearing where Broadwater's conviction was overturned, I'm not going to sully this proceeding by saying I'm sorry. That doesn't cut it. This never should have happened. So things worked out for Anthony Broadwater with the help of Timothy Mucciante. I think that's how, I don't know, maybe they say Mucciante. I don't know uh, how it's pronounced. Uh, uh, Well, it's Mucciante and you did real well on it. And I only know that because I uh, managed to find an interview with him because I was calling him Mucinante in my head Uh the whole time. And that is the worst last name on the planet. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mr. Mucinante. (laughs) your voice cracks me up Um, so Timothy Machani was executive producer of a project to adapt Alice Siebold's memoir Lucky which is in part about the rape or largely about the rape um, to film when he noticed discrepancies in the part of her book that described the trial he told the New York Times later I started having some doubts not about the story that Alice told about her assault which was tragic but the second part of her book about the trial which didn't hang together He ended up leaving the project because of his concerns about the story, and he hired a private investigator to locate Broadwater and review the evidence against him. Yes. So for some backstory, were you going to say something? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say that I saw an interview with uh, the BBC, and Uh uh, the presenter who was conducting the interview with Mr. Muchanti said... So you were fired from production because of your doubts around the trial. And Mr. Michanti mm. did not correct him. Now, I don't know if, and this wouldn't be BBC's typical way of, of operating. Gossip. Uh, had Mr. Michanti uh, refuted that phrasing, right? Like, oh, no, I wasn't fired. Yeah. I quit, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So in the... In the everything I've seen in regard in the U.S. press has been that he dropped out, which makes it sound like it was yeah. his decision, right? Um, uh-huh. The fact that he didn't correct the news presenter, um, maybe there was something just a little bit more there, right? Yeah, how interesting. I wonder. I, I hadn't heard that, but I didn't read the BBC, um, any BBC articles or European articles about it. Oh, what was a TV Not interview? The UK is Europe. And so they could have edited out, I guess that was a point I didn't make, the BBC could have edited out, edited out his, his rebuttal, I wasn't fired, but that wouldn't be the way they operate, they would have left that in. 
Right. Yeah. Right. You think so? Maybe he didn't catch no. it. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, that's Timothy Bucciani. Um, for some backstory, um, Alice Siebel's rape occurred when. Why are you laughing at me? Because it's Bucciani, and you almost said Mucanati. Oh, I don't know what I almost said. <laughs> <laughs> Mucciani. Um, uh, okay, let's go to Alice Siebold. Um, yes. She was raped when she was a freshman at Syracuse University in 1981. So um, almost five months after she was raped, she saw Anthony Broadwater on the street in Syracuse. He reminded her of the rapist, and she reported the encounter to police, according to Broadwater's attorneys. Now, this whole thing about her seeing him on the street is all a little weird to me because I read that, I don't know what you read, but yeah. I read that she walked past him, she recognized him, she turned around, to make sure that she recognized him. And he said, hey, girl, don't I know you from somewhere? Or something along those lines. I had not heard that. I have not seen that at all. Um, that's that's what I read. Um, and then I read that he said something like, hey, girl, you look familiar, or, or something like that. Um, and then she was convinced that that he was the man who had raped her, and he and she went to the uh, a nearby, I think a nearby policeman and, and identified him. So um, the police then arranged a lineup um, to identify the rapist, um, but um, she picked the man standing next to Broadwater. She said that um, number four, Broadwater, and number five, the man she identified as a rapist, were almost identical twins, but that one had broader features than the other, which I would be like, okay, then they're not identical twins. So anyway, um, so allegedly police coached her to correct her misidentification and identify Broadwater as her rapist. They told her some story where Anthony Broadwater had brought number five along um, to they trick were friends. her. And that he that was friends. yeah friends with a guy in the lineup that was standing next to him like what that has to do with anything is beyond me well and but also the, the fact that that, that brought... wasn't true right it was not true right they, they didn't know each other they, he didn't bring him along to trick her you know he didn't bring him along to glare at her and scare her and no and that's make the, her that's the prosecutor the trying to influence the uh the right. victim and and get a conviction because they want a conviction. Right. So that's what happened, basically. Uh, he was then convicted based on Siebel's account and the analysis of a piece of hair. Um, and that was an analysis that was later determined to be faulty. Um, his attorneys wrote, We know now that the testimony of the forensic chemist stemmed from a largely debunked forensic approach to hair microscopy. The basis of the technique used to match the two hairs has since been entirely discredited, with several articles calling it junk science. Alice Siebold apologized to Broadwater a week after his conviction was overturned. And here's what she said in her apology. I'm going to read it all because I think it's interesting and worth paying some attention to. She said, First, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to Anthony Broadwater, and I deeply regret what you have been through. I'm sorry most of all for the fact that the life you could have led was unjustly robbed from you, and I know that no apology can change what happened to you and never will. Of the many things I wish for you, I hope most of all that you and your family will be granted the time and privacy to heal. Forty years ago, as a traumatized 18-year-old rape victim, I chose to put my faith in the American legal system. My goal in 1982 was justice, not to perpetuate injustice, and certainly not to forever and irreparably alter a young man's life by the very crime that had altered mine. I am grateful that Mr. Broadwater has finally been vindicated, but the fact remains that 40 years ago, he became another young black man brutalized by our flawed legal system. I will forever be sorry for what was done to him. 
Today, American society is starting to acknowledge and address the systemic issues in our judicial system that too often means that justice for some comes at the expense of others. Unfortunately, this was not a debate or a conversation or even a whisper when I reported my rape in 1981. It has taken me these past eight days to comprehend how this could have happened. I will continue to struggle with the role that I unwittingly played within a system that sent an innocent man to jail. I will also grapple with the fact that my rapist will, in all likelihood, never be known, may have gone on to rape other women, and certainly will never serve the time in prison that Mr. Broadwater did. Throughout my life, I have always tried to act with integrity and to speak from a place of honesty, and so I state here clearly that I will remain sorry for the rest of my life that while pursuing justice through the legal system, my own misfortune resulted in Mr. Broadwater's unfair conviction for which he has served not only 16 years behind bars, but in ways that further served to wound and stigmatize nearly a full life sentence. So that was her apology, and I was rolling my eyes while I was reading it. And that tells you how I feel about it. Okay. She All right. is not taking any responsibility for what happened. She's like, this happened to him, and I was not involved. Well, she was kind of involved, but not really. Mm-hmm. And she says that there was no conversation around justice, racial justice, in 1982, which I, I was in 1982. I remember 1982. I remember conversations about racial justice. In fact, I remember that they went back to the 60s and even earlier. Um, So I don't know what she's talking about. I guess maybe what she's referring to is the more common understanding among white people about the realities that people of color face with law enforcement in this country. Right. Um, and so maybe I, I benefit of the doubt here, right? Because um, okay. I I read her apology. I my initial yeah. reaction was, yeah, nice dodge, Alice. Um, yeah, you know. But then at the same time, it's like, oh wow, how would you apologize? Well, I know how you would apologize for something like this. Um, right. So, Mr. Muchanti in the. Uh, interview with BBC four said that he did not accept her apology, right? He didn't think that it was a valid apology. He said that she, in her book, she misrepresented the trial and Mr. Broadwater and that had she written the book based on the trial transcripts, Broadwater would have been released upon publication. Uh, he says, Alice made millions on the book. She should give a significant portion of that to Mr. Broadwater. Now, I don't know how I feel about, hey, you should give him money and like a lot of money and right. Because, here, you know, the, the initial thing that started all this was she was she was raped and right. she did. And I'm going to work with the wording here because I I'll just say it. We'll clean it up later. Right. So everybody, I, I apologize for for this going to say that she did everything right, which is not a correct phrase to use. However you handle a sexual assault personally is the right way to do it. Most people don't report sexual assaults, right? Right. Um, So she went to campus police. Uh, This happened off campus in a park, but she, you know, at 18 years old, she went back to that place of safety and security, which was school campus, and talked to the police there. She then went to the police department 
where they collected evidence using rape kit, right? Um, right. I've never been involved in that, but I know that, um, I think I know, I don't know if you're comfortable with my sharing this, uh, that you used to work at a rape crisis counseling. Oh, yeah. Right? Sure. So, so you've dealt with people who have been uh, victimized, and you know uh-huh. what the what that process of collection entails. And I can only right. imagine that it's a, a further public invasion of your oh, yeah. body and privacy, right? Um, yeah, largely, yeah. I, yeah. And I shouldn't say yeah, because I, I want to encourage people who are able to do it to do that, but it can, also, can often be handled very poorly. So it's, a lot of women have negative reactions to it. Sure. It, I mean, I say sure, like sure, right? Sure, that's true. Of course that's true. Um, yeah. And so given given all that, she relied upon law enforcement to, to help her. And then um, misidentified somebody. I, have, I did right. not find anything about that interaction um, that you had mentioned where he said, hey, you look familiar. I could see where that would be Rather alarming to hear if you were Alice in that moment. That's what she says he said. I mean, okay. no, there were no witnesses or anything. So, uh, I mean, she may misremember. Yeah, she may, she may misremember. Who knows, right? But, I mean, yeah. but she, was, she was definitely uh, uh, traumatized by all this. Yes. And turned to the legal yes. system for assistance by, by going and reporting to the police, right? And then further victimized by law, by the legal system. Um, in having a prosecutor lie to her and tell her, right. oh, yeah, that guy's trying to deceive you. He brought his friend with him, right? right. Uh, and as an 18, 19-year-old uh, pers- woman, girl, right, uh, of course she believed the, I'm assuming it was yeah, a man, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And it's not so much like she believed a man, but... You know, there, there's just... Well, she the, believed the police. She believed I the think, police, is, yes. Yeah. And she believed the person in authority, right? I, yeah. I would believe a prosecutor for the most part. I would think I would too. I, yeah. yeah. So so I can see where this is... Um, uh, so my initial reaction was, nice dodge, Alice. You're really passing the buck right. here, right? And then it's like, but you know, Theo, she didn't on purpose misidentify this guy she wasn't like somebody's got to pay and he and he good enough you'll do five months later right right? she she legitimately believed mistakenly believed on the street in that moment that that was the man who attacked her and so so that sort of thinking shifted my feelings around this public apology um i you can't apologize for what happened to Mr. Broadwater. And right now I'm just going to call because we need a joke. Um, and this isn't a joke. I'm quite angry with God. We have more lazy writing. She is Alice Siebold and he's Mr. Broadwater. Come on. S-E-A. I don't get it. C, ocean. Oh, C. And well, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I mean, her name is spelled Sebold, S-E-B-O-L-D, but it's pronounced Siebold. And I had to Google that to make sure that it was right so that I could justify my <laughs> anger. And God, it's like there are more names. Um, don't Everything doesn't have to be associated this way. So Mr. Broadwater and Ms. C. Mm. Bold um, uh, 
meet on the street, whatever. Um, yeah, and so so initially... Well, now I'm torn because yeah, I know. at first I was like, you identified the wrong dude and you knew you identified the wrong dude because you were sitting there in that room and you pointed out the wrong dude and then you changed your mind because of what someone else said to you, which is wrong. Um, but now I'm a little bit like, well, yeah, it was the police that said to you that your choice was wrong, but yeah. I'm still on the fence. Well, right. So I, you know, my initial thing was like, oh, this is a two, three apology. You know, it's nice that she did it. Um, Anthony Siebel did ask for a public apology. Yeah. So from, um, from what happened. She to never says that she did anything wrong. And I think maybe that's because her lawyers advised her not to, but she never takes any responsibility for her mistake. And I, I, I don't know if it would be impossible to do that or not, but I, I wish that she had been able to do that. You know, um, you're right there. Maybe her attorneys said, you can apologize, but don't take any yeah. responsibility for it, because if you do, you're going to find yourself in civil you. court, right? Um, right. And uh, so for what happened to Mr. Broadwater, of course, um, he's walking down the street, this woman identifies him and reports him to the police. He finds himself in, in custody. Um, his, he was visiting his father. So, uh, right. uh, Anthony was, Mr. Broadwater was in the Marines. Uh, he was, uh, there in New York visiting his dad who was gravely ill. His dad died while, uh, while Mr. Broadwater was either in trial or had been sent to jail. I don't know uh, where his father died, but his, uh, at right. what part of the process his father died. But his father died with his son under suspicion for rape, incarcerated for rape, right? Being accused right. of rape. So, so that's terrible, obviously, right? Because his father didn't live to see his son exonerated. Um, and yeah. then, of course, he had his 16 years in jail and then... He gets released in 1998, and he's listed as a sex offender, which makes finding a place to live hard, makes finding a job hard, right? And uh, Mr. Broadwater did get married and is still After he married. was released. Yeah, after he was released, he, he did get married sometime later. Um, and he says, on my two hands, I can count the people that allowed me to grace their homes and dinners, and I don't get past 10. And that's very traumatic to me. This, this false charge uh, has kept him in prison, although he's out. Yep. Right? Yep. So, yep. Uh, true. Having relationships, making friends. Right. Yeah. Uh, he even says that he wanted to have, uh, he and his wife wanted to have children, but didn't because of the stigma around being a sexual uh, offender. Thank you. That's the word I was looking a sex for. And and so that's tough. And um, after he was after his conviction was overturned, he said to The New York Times, I just hope and pray that maybe Ms. Siebold will come forward and say, hey, I made a grave mistake and give me an apology. I sympathize with her, but she was wrong. And then on uh, December 1st, she apologizes on Medium. Um, and then Broadwater told the Times that he was grateful for Siebold's apology, and he said, to make that statement, it's a strong thing for her to do, understanding that she was a victim and I was a victim too. 
And I'm going to say that uh, in the, what's the word, pantheon of gracious uh-huh. acceptances. Oh, yeah. Number one now. It, it Absolutely. Unseats Paris Hilton from that throne. Sorry, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is now Mr. Anthony uh, Broadwater who understands that the woman who falsely identified him is as much a victim of the uh, racial injustice uh, built into our legal system as, as he was. And of course, Alice at one point um, in her book on this, in her memoir, uh, mentions that she was afraid that the police were going to assume that she was just a panicked white girl reporting any black man that she happened to see, um, which unfortunately may have been the case. Yeah, I mean, she she said that she was afraid of certain types of black men, and I guess maybe this poor Mr. Broadwater just fit that type, and she ran into him on the street, and he looked sort of similar to the guy that raped her, and that was that. Um, But he did very graciously accept her apology, and he said it, it comes sincerely from her heart. She knowingly admits what happened. I accept her apology. It was a big relief. I must. It must have taken a lot of courage to come to terms and make that apology. It's still painful to me because I was wrongfully convicted, but this will help me in my process to come to peace with what happened. I mean, what a what a kind and generous guy. Uh, yep, yep. If I was in jail wrongfully for sixteen years, boy, I think I'd be mad. Uh, I wouldn't be gracious. I don't think I would. I mean, maybe he had a lot of time to meditate or something in jail, but I don't know if you can meditate in jail, but if it's even possible. But um, gosh, what a amazing person. Uh, yeah, very much so. And I know from uh, Mr. Muchanti, who... So, okay, so sort of like this is some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened. We still, of course, have to rate the apology, and I'm, I'm delaying right. because I'm like... I am on this fence and it's not on a five level. It's kind of like one way or the other. And I don't, I'm still, I've been unsettled about the, uh, the apology because I don't want to blame a victim, you know? Um, Right. Or I don't want to heap more blame upon a victim. She's got, I mean, she says herself, she has to live the rest of her life knowing that, not only did her rapist harm her, but she inadvertently harmed somebody else through that. So, right. you know, it's like her rapist gets her twice. And, oh, I don't even know that right. that's a, a way to, to phrase that. But, but she's victimized twice. And, and so I kind of feel like um, I'm doing the rating thing here. Yeah, I just I kind of feel like. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I have a big issue with people who apologize and pass the buck. Yeah. You know, to, to me, that's just like an automatic two. But then on the other hand, mm-hmm. this one, this one's different for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. So still processing. Um, okay. So, okay. Um, let's see. So to continue my delay, Mr. Muchanti, who is this executive producer, um, who discovered, oh, wow, the the second part of this film that we're making about this trial, things aren't stacking up. And he hires a private investigator um, who is a hero whose name I want to find. 
in my notes. Aha. And so the private investigator was Dan Myers, who had spent 20 years as a, thank you for this town, Onondaga County Sheriff's Onondaga, Office. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they need to change that name to something that I can pronounce. Uh, he retired as a detective in 2020 and was approached by Muchanti, uh, went in, and it took him 48 hours to get to the truth. Right? Wow. Yeah. O- only 48 hours. What? That's like four days? Wow. Um, Two days. Well, do you count the time that you're asleep? No. All right. So that'd be like four days. <laughs> 48 hours. That's like, that's like a week. Yeah. It's like six like work days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm sure he did it nonstop. Oh, probably, of course, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah, so so um, uh, retired Detective Myers, after his 48-hour investigation, uh, gets to the truth and is like, wow, whoa, yeah, whoa. And so they go to the attorney, Mr. Hammond, who coincidentally, Mr. Broadwater had just approached to represent him. Broadwater had been trying over the years to get attorneys to help him and had gone through a couple of attempts to... Uh, redeem his name and get his case where he looked at. Um, And just, again, wild coincidence, right? So in the midst of all this, the film, which was titled Lucky after the memoir, gets scrapped. Yeah. And Scribner, the publisher, is now pulling Lucky from distribution. Earlier, they said they weren't going to pull the book, and nor were they going to revise it. But uh, now they have pulled Lucky and they may re-release it with revisions. We will see. Um, so Mr. Right. Machanti is now uh, creating a documentary called Unlucky, which is being produced by Red Badge Films, and Broadwater is participating. Um, and so in this interview, and I share all that to say that Mr. Machanti is working with Mr. Broadwater. They're going to create a documentary based on this, and they should because it's, uh, I don't want to say what an incredible story that sort of minimizes the, the horrible experience that Mr. Broadwater lived through. Um, but Mr. Machani said, all Mr. Broadwater wants is a little farm in the country and to do some farming. Right. He wants a nice, right. quiet life. Uh, and, maybe, yeah. and maybe Alice could help him get that. Right. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully. Um, it is an interesting story. And you know what makes it a little more weird? Um, did you hear about Muchanti himself? Did you look into him at all? No. So Muchanti himself is a repeat white-collar felon and a disbarred lawyer, as well as a convicted polygamist with three stints in prison spending two decades. Up. According to court records, Machani said that unlike Broadwater, he was guilty and deserved to be imprisoned. As a young lawyer in the 1980s, okay, this is a good part, Michani captured attention for persuading investors to give him $75,000 for a fictitious business venture in which $3 million was to be made by bartering British condoms for Russian chickens, which would then be sold in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that's probably a true thing. Like, you probably have that sort of, like, exchange of things. Um, Apparently, but um, it wasn't true. It didn't happen for, it didn't work out for anybody, uh, any of the investors. But I couldn't believe that when I read it. I was like, does Broadwater know this? And a polygamist? And a polygamist. He married, like, three people or something. I don't know. At the same time? Yeah, at the same time. 
Because that's what polygamy means, I guess. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's what polygamy means to you. (laughs) Did he bury them all in the same church in the same service? Well, I'm assuming a church, right? It doesn't have to be a church. Jesus. Uh, I, no don't know. I don't know how it actually happens, but it's funny that you're most interested in the polygamy aspect. I'm interested in the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, the chickens didn't happen. Um, no, I'm just going to quote my grandmother here. Holy fuckballs. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm kidding. She never said holy. Um, fuckballs. I... <laughs> no, I'm fuck kidding. Balls. She never said that either. Uh, you're... Like, that's Timothy Mucciani. How Can you was that it? not in my first page of returns when I Googled his name? I don't know. But the BBC4 interview to was. Find it. And how did he end up being executive producer of Lucky? Well, I guess he has got money. He scammed it. He uh, got money to into put it, into a film. Um, I guess so. Uh, where, did he, where did he get the money from? Uh, well, maybe chickens. Maybe chickens. Maybe chickens. <laughs> Who knows? But okay, but that's a, yeah. I'm gonna say, all right, Mr. Michanti. I I don't want to say I don't mind people who who rip off the system for money, right? Because that's illegal and bad, right? Right. But right. Um, <laughs> but also, it's like, eh. All right, eh. So you did that. That, that that's not so bad. Um, I mean, it is bad that you go to jail for that. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> Hey, did I tell you about this chicken <laughs> offer that I've got going on? <laughs> Want to get in on it? Yeah. So, all right. So, back to the story. Um, <laughs> we haven't left the story. <laughs> well, I mean, we kind of have. It's sort of a side It's Buchanti who brought the, the chickens, chickens into it. It wasn't. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to assume that since Mr. Buchanti says, yeah, hey, I deserved what I got and I did my time and I'm I'm done, right? Or I'm. I think that's how he feels about I'm it. Reformed. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and that's the system. I mean, in theory, that's the system, right? It's like you serve your time. Although, compare his life after he did his time with Broadwater's life after he did his time. And which one, I mean, Broadwater didn't even do anything. And he's unable to get a job and unable to have friends, basically. And unable to walk past the elementary school near his house because he's a sex offender. Yeah. And here, Timothy Michani is executive producer for a TV series or whatever. So... Uh, one's white. Hello. <laughs> one's black. <laughs> but, and I think this is fair to point out, Muchanti is not allowed uh-huh. to walk past uh, chicken ranches, and he's not... <laughs> and he's not allowed to buy condoms in bulk. <laughs> not allowed to ship them to Saudi so, Arabia. Um, there's... Yeah, there's a quote I liked from Ziba Blay and Jezebel um, saying, There is a long, rich history in America of white women falsely accusing black men of rape, a history that exists far beyond the bounds of the legal sphere and which includes white mobs and black boys and men lynched for merely looking at white women. False rape accusations are rare, yes, but one must reconcile that with the fact that 52% of people falsely accused of rape are black men, and black men convicted of sexual assault are three and a half times more likely to be innocent than white men. Yep. I mean, that's so, not I mean, news to, to us now. Perspective, yeah, it's not. Um, it's just, I don't know what to say. Um. Well, I mean, that's the thing of like, once you start talking about grave injustices that 
happen to people. And I, I'll throw Alice Siebold into that grouping of grave injustices that happen to people. I, I think the legal system sure. victimized her um, as well as Mr. Broadwater. Um, sure. I forgot what point I was going to make because America's hero got hit in the face with a flag that was waving. <laughs> I, I was going to make this great point. It was going to be so good. Oh, yeah. Grave injustices that happen to people. Um, I mean, what do you do? Right. Because it's like it's still happening. And and in, we know it. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the suggestions. Um, oh yeah. So I'll I'll read it here. So Lorraine Barry in the L.A. Times said that Siebold's statement read more like a classic apologia, a self-absolving explanation, one vetted no doubt by an attorney to avoid admitting liability for Siebold's pointing to the wrong man in court. While the ultimate call on what would constitute proper contrition should rest with Broadwater, I have a suggestion. Siebold could make a sizable donation to an organization like the Innocence Project, which works to free those who have been wrongfully convicted or she could establish her own foundation perhaps one that helps the formerly imprisoned re-enter society as broadwater struggled to do in the face of intense ostracism and lost opportunities whatever she does the uncomfortable fact is that lawyered statement or not seaboat is liable for the harm she caused if not legally then morally those who suffer trauma are not excused from inflicting trauma on the innocent and pretending we didn't know better as a society and as individuals is an insult to those of us who did and further injury to those we all victimized that's, i think that says it very well yeah i mean that's that's not wrong it does not take into consideration the fact that Alice Siebold did not do this on purpose, right? And and maybe he or the writer was unaware that the prosecutor had uh, sort of colored things in a way that would sway Miss Siebold to. I mean, does she have any responsibility? She miss that. She she. She identified someone else, and the prosecutor said, "Yeah, that's so and so, bloody bloody blah." Does she not have the responsibility to say, "Well, I can't identify number four as the man who did it"? You know, I suppose you have a point there. It's not even I suppose you have. That's a very valid point. I think it's just that um, I want everybody to win a prize and a box of chocolates yeah. and be happy. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. That's not. I think yeah. everyone suffers in this story. Everyone is, yeah. Well, if you're Catholic, then suffering is a joy. So, I'm right. Give it up to God. Yes. Yep. Um, mm. Well, ultimately, that's who we can blame for all of us. So, not our problem. God, shame on you once again. Uh, right. So, okay, so let's rate the apology. Ah, that's what I've been trying to avoid. <laughs> that's why I brought God into it. I was hoping he'd... <laughs> Throw some smoke and mirrors up and confuse you. The one show where we didn't well, rate an apology. Oh. Yeah, I give it a three out of ten. I, was, I think it, yeah. it it really didn't take any responsibility, and I think that's that's the key. Um, I think it, it, it actively avoided responsibility, and maybe her responsibility wasn't super great. Um, you know, it wasn't entirely her fault that this man went to jail, but um, it was, if she didn't identify him, he probably would not have been able to go to jail. I mean, I don't know about the, the hair thing. Um, maybe he would have been able to get out of jail earlier if she hadn't identified him and he had gone to jail anyway. I don't know. It's uh, 
It's a it's and and I think that I think that her being unaware that or claiming to be unaware that there was an issue with the justice system in regards to black men is a problem. Well, it's a way of saying I'm woke and I'm on your side. And apparently only old people say woke now. So we'll have to find a different word. Um, It's not a word I use, but uh, yeah, but I do use it now. So apparently it is. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's a way of saying I'm socially liberal. I I understand as well as somebody like me, Alice Siebold, can understand uh, right. The realities that that black people and people of color face in this country, blah blah blah. Uh, so, hey, I'm a good guy, is what it says, um, right. and we're both victims. I don't disagree with her there. Um, I mean, I'm gonna just throw it's a four um, for me, and and that's okay. higher than like if she had accused him of theft and not uh-huh. rape. Then it's easy, like, this is a two, it's a one, right? It's almost a non-apology. Um, but I I keep coming back to what happened to her, right? And uh, not only what happened to her in terms of the sexual assault, but what happened to her with the prosecutor pushing her to identify Broadwater. Um, yeah. And so, so a couple of extra points for me. And when I meet her okay. at a dinner party in the future, and she's like, you know, a four, really? <laughs> I say, Listen, it was going to be a two. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's an average of 3.5 out of 10. Which, you know, I mean. two of us. Not, not great, but not horrible. Uh, I mean, her apology was well written, at least. Which she's a writer, so we kind of would expect that. Um, well, here's where here's where she cannot write about this. Yeah, right. There can't be a book from her. No, she can't about her no. feelings around this. Uh, right. I think you know allow Mr. Broadwater to have that story, um, and you know, yeah, don't. But I'm sure. Because that's how, I mean, that's how writers work. Maybe, maybe Alice write the book and then just keep it in a drawer. You know, writers <laughs> process things that happen to them through writing because duh. Um, and so for sure, she'll be writing about this. Um, but yeah, it'd be maybe write And then all the money that that book generates goes to Broadwater. Yeah, I think the money from Lucky, a lot of it should go to Broadwater. I think she should definitely give him some money. That's how I feel anyway. I think he deserves some money, and if she has the money to spare, then it should go to him. I'm going to say that's not a... Yeah, I mean, money doesn't fix anything, but at the same time, um, it's not going to hurt. Broadwater. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe she doesn't need to buy him a farm, but she could give him some money. Well, you could get a cheap farm. Oh, my God. Ready? A chicken farm. Oh, God. <laughs> he could have a chicken farm. And then Duchanti the won't be yeah. allowed to go visit him because of the chicken. <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep that. All right. That's the solution. Clucking. We settled it. 
Um, it's all fixed. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Well, I, I am going to share with you real quick on hair analysis. Cause that's the one thing that I was like, okay, I, I wonder what, what, what was debunked? How was it debunked? Why was it debunked? Right. Uh, okay. Not so much that I believe in hair. I mean, of course I believe in hair, but you know, <laughs> it exists. It exists. It's a thing. Um, okay. So in April of 2015, uh, the guardian, um, reported that a judicial catastrophe of epic proportions was occurring. The FBI and the Justice Department had admitted that in over 95% of about 3,000 trials revisited in a historic review, agents gave flawed testimony based on the pseudoscience of um, hair analysis. Microscopic hair analysis um, is now considered a pseudoscience, and it's a technique in which forensic experts use microscopes to match hairs found on crime scenes to defendants. Hair analysis has been in use since the 1850s, um, and there's reports of Ed Pinkleton, which you can just stop right there and we can close the show. There's the last name, Pinkleton. Um, Pinkleton. Pinkleton. Hi, Mr. Pinkleton. Nice to meet you, Mr. (laughs) Bucati. It's like Um, a children's story. Hi. Um, so citing a study that traces the techniques evolution from magic to law, the practice is based on erroneous claims that an individual's hairs can be reliably matched to them, but the technique is based on visual analysis and not DNA. Um, it can only or should only be safely used to rule out a suspect like, oh, we've got blonde hairs, but you're a brunette. Right. Maybe that's like super basic, right? Um, oh, we've got blonde hairs and you're bald. Um, right. Okay. Let's see. And, uh, as of 2015, only 268 of about 2,500 cases involving hair analysis had been reviewed in at least 35. So this is getting a little mathy, right? Yeah. In at least 35 of the 268 cases, the defendants were sentenced to death. Oh my God. Nine of those people were executed and five of them died while on death row. Uh, based off of wow. a science based that is now, or, or, you know, a form of evidence that is now, um, going to say discollected. That's not even a word. Discredited. Discredited. Oh, could you just live in my brain all day? I've got a whole day <laughs> of talking and stuff. Uh, so some other junk science real quick. Arson, science and investigators have discovered that features long considered signs of a fire intentionally set also occur during accidents. Things like circular wow. burn patterns, right? So where they say like, oh, the fire was really intense and burned in a splash pattern. Well, apparently that can just happen. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. As, a, as a therapist, are you familiar with um, a personality quiz called the Static 99? No. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. But so um, something else has been discredited. The static 99 helps decide which sex offenders are the riskiest and is oh my God. still relied upon heavily uh, in civil com- commitment proceedings. I don't even know what those are. Um, and so basically it's a personality test and it just tells you once you get the results like, oh, this guy will most likely, of course, I'm saying guy probably 99.9% yes. men. Um, yes. This person, more fair, is really likely to offend again, so therefore keep him in jail. 
Holy shit. Yeah, personality quiz. Um, let's Oof. see here. Bite mark analysis. Uh, the AP has found that since 2000, at least two dozen people have been freed after DNA testing and other methods cleared them of crimes that bite wow. mark analysts claimed they had committed. Um, and then this one is always the one that surprises people. Blood splatter. So, yeah, sorry, Dexter. Not only were you a fictitious serial killer, but your job is now sort of fictitious as well. Uh, oh, was he a blood spatter analyst? Yeah. Have you never seen Dexter? I didn't know that. I saw the first season, but I guess I didn't pay attention. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because uh, half of the show is about how he is a blood splatter <laughs> analyst. <laughs> All right. Um Okay, so a 2009 National Academy of Sciences report concluded that the uncertainties associated with blood stain pattern analysis are enormous and purported blood stain pattern experts' opinions are more subjective than scientific. So wow. it's not just the hair stuff that's getting... I'm trying to think of a hair joke. Permed? That's not to make any sense at all. But I needed to make a hair joke. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, you know, uh, we'll keep an eye. No, we won't. We'll say that we're going to keep an eye on what happens to Ms. Siebold yeah, and Mr. We'll Broadwater. Yeah, back, not. Right. Right, exactly. yeah, and the same way we have switches to Mr. Broadwater. Anything we've ever said we were going to do <laughs> on this podcast. That's we'll, the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, audience, listeners, if you guys are interested, then... Look into it and then tell us. You do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how lazy we are. All right. So do we have a who's sorry now or an apology is expected from you this week, Theo? Uh, yeah, I do have an apology expected. And it sort of awesome. syncs with our subject matter of sexual assault. Very cool. So Chris Cuomo was fired uh, last night Yay. from CNN. And he was Yay. fired for helping his brother, Andrew, Governor Cuomo former Governor Cuomo, uh, uh, figure out, like, how to deal with these sexual assault cases that I am that I am facing, cases, charges. And so um, CNN fired him. Uh, I don't know the full details because I don't really care. I mean, yeah. let, me, let me rephrase yeah. that. Of course, I care that people are victimized, but I don't really care about Governor Cuomo. He's not my governor and blah. And yeah, yeah of course, it's probably he was a little handsy in the office probably is my guess right uh and of course his brother because they're close helped him and you know you can wait for the apology to come from quiz quiz cuomo yeah (laughs) there's another opportunity that parents miss to make their child's life really hard you should have been called quiz do you Quiff, Quiff Cuomo. Do you think? <laughs> do you think CNN will rehire Chris Cuomo? No, <laughs> no. Okay, good. They, I hope not. They will. Although they brought Jeffrey Tubin back. Yeah. And Ugh. although okay. you know, did Jeffrey Tubin assault anybody other than himself? You know what I'm saying? Hey. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get the dick sucking joke. I did. I, yeah, I opened up the door. So, all right. Um, I have an, an apology <laughs> expected as well. What? You opened up the door. Um, yeah. 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 I got to hand it so to you. So my apology is expected. Uh. <laughs> Stop. Okay. 
Alright, San Francisco restaurant Hilda and Jesse denied service to three San Francisco Police Department officers on Friday because their weapons made staff uncomfortable. Um, so they, they let them sit down and then they politely asked them to leave, saying... Um, the, in an Instagram post that the restaurant is a safe space and the presence of weapons prompted its staff to deny service to the officers. We respect the San Francisco Police Department and are grateful for the work they do. We welcome them into the restaurant when they are off-duty, out of uniform, and without their weapons. The restaurant said its actions are not a political statement, saying it did what it thought was best for its staff. And the police department chief, William Scott, tweeted a response saying, The San Francisco Police Department stands for safety with respect, even when it means respecting wishes that our officers and I find discouraging and personally disappointing. So I'm saying that probably, um, I don't know, actually. I'm thinking that they'll probably end up apologizing, um, not necessarily because people will complain, because this is San Francisco, and I think people will be okay with them denying the, the police police officers service yeah. while they were in uniform with their weapons but um i think that they'll probably buckle under um to the police department and apologize to the police department well i mean i'm gonna say i've been uh definitely out in public in places like a grocery store yeah. and there's been a police yeah. officer with a gun in a holster and it makes well, you're in Texas. I would expect you to be in places with more, people, just yeah, regular so people. The good news is I've never seen that because if I did, I would leave the establishment. I'm okay. not going to be in a space where Billy Joe, Jim Bob. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. No, thank you. You need your yeah, gun to crazy. go shopping. Uh, groceries aren't that scary. You, you'll, oh, I'm leaving. You're an yeah. adult. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Right. Because what you're going to do is go crazy with your gun. Um, and I don't need or to be there for that. shoot someone. Oh, I never even yeah. thought about that. I always think about like intentional, like I'm crazy for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> grocery store cereal. <laughs> that could happen, food. but I'm, I'm expecting the gun to go off by accident and shoot people. Yeah, I'm randomly. out. I mean, regardless, I'm, I'm out. Um, right, right. And so, yes. But then at the same time, it's like the cops have hard jobs and, you know, what, what can, and they are also unfortunately targets at time yeah. um and so it's just that thing right um it's completely tangential but also related in israel um certainly in tel aviv right uh you go into a restaurant you sit down and then you may have some soldiers that come in with machine guns strapped to their backs yeah and sitting and having and in that situation yeah i'm fine I mean, it, it gets a little scary because okay. it's like, oh, wow, shit's real. Like, yeah, this, I keep yeah. forgetting that, like, what's happening in the world. Yeah. Because uh, I've been having a nice vacation. Uh, you yeah. know, that's, and then you have, like, a, I'll say young 20-something-year-old girl who walks in with two machine guns strapped to her back, right? Um, and it's like, wow. But then she sits down and she eats and everybody is just sort of, it's normal. Um, and so I don't get up and leave in that situation, but that person I know has been trained, right? And yeah, knows how to handle yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what's the point of that other than in some situations, I guess, I guess if I saw cops come into a restaurant, it might give me pause, but I'd feel more like, okay, all right. They, they know how to handle a gun. Um, whereas yeah. if I just saw like I said, um, 
a man, a person with a gun. Mm, I'm out. Right. I'm so glad I don't live somewhere where I can see that, um, generally speaking. Just a just dude wandering around with a gun. Because that's uncomfortable and unnecessary. It's unnecessary. I'm sorry your dick is small. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Leave the gun at home. Yeah, you don't need to advertise it. Right. Um, has there ever been an occasion where a good guy with a gun has stopped a bad guy with a gun? I don't know. There were, there's one I can think of that's something in Vegas in a 7-Eleven, but, uh, uh, oh, maybe that's the good guys got shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's more typical in, in the news cycle, uh, that, yeah. that the good guy with a gun got shot or shot somebody mistakenly or whatever. Could right. It's, you know, it's always right. the bad thing that could have happened. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's like one story where I think gun right activists point, I'll call my cousin because he's a lifetime member of the NRA okay. and he could give us okay. a list of all the times. He'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, Theo, right. let's start with America. All right, I look forward to your report back on that, along oh, with all our I don't other reports talk to back that on things. You'll have to call him. I'll, I don't even have his phone number. Do you know his name? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, all right, good. That's a start. All right. Well, I guess that's it, yeah. I think that's it for today. We're done. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was kind of a rough one, but um, I think... Uh, I think we got to our, uh, we made a good decision on the radio. We got enough dick uh, jokes that's, that's all in this do. episode <laughs> to qualify as another classic apologies accepted episode. A classic apologies accepted. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week with another exciting apologies accepted. The po- accepted. That's right. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll maybe be back. In- <laughs> with a podcast alright alright goodbye everybody bye thank you for listening to Apologies Accepted the podcast you can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes to submit an apology or find out more visit us at apologiesaccepted.net where you can also find our merchandise we're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted and on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted you can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted and fuck Facebook <laughs> bye <laughs> bye bye